Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, my name's Nick. Hello, I'm Woogie. We are the mouth of manliness. This is a podcast all about uh, mental health, but it's not just mental health. Um, it's kind of about people's lives and about uh, how they cope and how they manage in the world. Yeah, and digging into the stories that make them who they are. Yeah, so it's real life stories um, where we talk about things that people have been through and how they've managed and how they've coped and how they've come out the other side. So sometimes it's just me and Woggie here, but more often than not, we're talking to guests, uh, sometimes more well-known guests, but more often than anything, it's um, just normal people who have been through um, interesting situations. Yeah, and they've all got a lovely story to tell. Yeah, so mouth and manliness, we are about mental health, but we're more about people and stories. So, welcome to the mouth. The mouth of manliness. Welcome to the Mouth of Manliness. Um, hello, everyone. Welcome back. Um, season three of Mouth of Manliness. Um, yeah, good times. We are uh, still in the midst of COVID. Um, it's me, Nick Noyes, and my colleague here. You're going to say you are. Woogie. Hello. <laughs> Woogie. Um, and we've got a brilliant guest today, Barry Dolan from Oxygen Thieves and um, Non-Cannon. You know, Hello. Uh, two things. Yes. Oh. Two sides of a coin, perhaps. I don't know. It's not, not legal tender. But um, yeah, two, two different uh, projects that I do. It's funny because um, they're not a million miles away. From one another, I didn't think. No, um, I suppose they. I mean, they're both from my brain, um, yeah. but they, they're sort of different approaches, I suppose. So it's like I've been doing oxygen thief for for ages, um, for about I don't know, fifteen years or more, maybe I, since university, kind of thing. Just didn't have a band anymore. Carried on playing loud on my own, and then turned into a band and things like that. Um, I've, I've been doing that for ages, um, and then I sort of had an. Just sort of thought I'd have an experiment to see if I could write more kind of gentler, more straightforward kind of singer-songwritery stuff. Um, so, yeah, it just I all the sort of points where I would normally make certain decisions, I kind of went the in a slightly different way, or you know, took a sort of handbrake turn against my usual instincts and sort of. So it's yeah, they're connected definitely. Um, yeah, I like um, uh, like you've got violins and uh, cellos and things like that in it. Yeah, it's really nice to stuff. sort of experiment a bit more and kind of get a load of mates involved from people yeah. that I've met over the years. 
doing different stuff and you know just kind of gather people uh people up and get proper musicians to play rather than um i i don't you know i'm i kind of uh harness the power of my ignorance to to do everything i do um but it's yeah it's really great to sort of work with sort of proper proper grown-ups some from time to time <laughs> who does your artwork by the way i love the artwork the uh, the latest non-canon and the most recent Oxygen and Thief albums, um, they were both done by a guy called John, o- uh, John O'Gans. Um, so I think he's just at John O'Gans on Twitter. Um, he did the art, out, uh, the artwork for a band called Doe, who I really liked, um, and for Happy Accidents as well. Um, and so I was kind of just looking up um, artist Instagrams when I was working on a, an album uh, on the the Oxygen Thief One Confusion Species, uh, and he had some kind of abstract stuff. He had did quite a few different styles that he worked in, and one of them was this kind of abstract geometric thing. Yeah, like, like they're like screen prints, aren't they? Yeah, they're like yeah, layers re- of screen prints. Yeah, I I, I sort of uh, really like that, um, and just kind of sent him the album and sort of said, I I like this kind of art, um, yeah. but the actual what comes out of it is kind of down to you yeah um and the same with the non-canon one the first album somebody else did um and so he the, the the guy called joe watson um and he kind of did these kind of four they, they were all like little kind of um little symbols or sort of smaller images within so that sort of made up a whole artwork um so i kind of again sort of suggested that we take that on as the theme um, right. And then he could just kind of interpret that how he wants. So, yeah, he's he's really fun to work with. Um, and uh, I'm I'm not a very like visual sort of art, but I, I love art. But I can't draw. Um, I have no kind of real sort of you know <laughs> f- visual art skills myself. So um, I I'm really bad at kind of giving like oh I want it to be this and you know. Uh, devil riding a motorbike into the sun or what you know that kind of stuff <laughs> um, uh, a buxom lady on the back yeah. <laughs> it's so uh, it's, it's so hard isn't it like i mean when you submit a record and like you've done all the, your, your creative work right so you've, you've created something that's your interpretation of it and then i've found out when i've done exactly the same thing and submitted to an artist you just don't it's not my forte i'd rather it be there uh do you know what i mean it's it's for it's for them to sort of it's, it's their their chance to interpret what you were getting at, you know. It's like, yeah, I find it so yeah. hard. <laughs> but it is really difficult. People like Nick are amazing artists. And <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how we became friends. Uh, Warren's like a musician, and uh, he asked me to do some artwork for him, and that's kind of how we became mm. friends through that. Um, yeah. But even like we do music together, and even that, I kind of mm. think about that visually. Mm. Like I'm. Like fill a room and it's all visual yeah. to me. Okay. Yeah, it's it's always I, I've always found like you know like the end of um the end of a film, the credits and stuff. I'm that guy that I can imagine the end tune at the end of it. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. sort of how I interpret the journey, I guess. Yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> I like that. So, when when did you start doing music professionally, then Barry? Um, I suppose well. Um, I mean, I, I still have a day job as well um, oh, you because it's uh, yeah. So I mean, um, semi-professionally uh, perhaps, um, but it's been something I've been doing. Uh, my first 
proper uh, release was uh, 2011, so it's coming up to 10 years. Um, so I put an album out, um, which is Oxygen Thief, um, sort of fully acoustic, like all the sort of loudness that I've had done as a kid with other bands and stuff, yeah. um, but just kind of smashed out on an acoustic guitar and recorded uh, in my house. Um, and so, yeah, that, that sort of was out on a label um, and, you know, had the CDs like properly printed rather than, uh, d- you know, running them off at the photocopier at work and cutting them up with scissors. Yeah, um, so that was that was that kind of that first moment that I, I felt like I was kind of proper, you know. Um, and then um, I think like the next turning point was signing with Extra Mile um, because that then... Uh, yeah, they, I mean, their roster is amazing. So, um, just kind of joining the ranks of, of those people like Frank Turner and Beans on Toast, and um, yeah, like Against Me and Crazy Arms, just all these great bands. Chris TT, um, yeah. who, um, yeah, it's it's just it's like feels like a seal of approval. You know, you, you can just oh, be like, yeah. oh, I'm I'm not just some dickhead who's making <laughs> weird noise. Um, I mean, I am also that, um, but <laughs> yeah, but not want. just that. You know. Um, so yeah, that was 2013, I think. Um, we we kind of um, got together, as it were. Um, we'd been sort of tangentially friends. Uh, basically, I just played loads of uh, gigs with loads of bands that were on the, the label or who ended up being signed to the label. Oh, um, okay. Ben Marwood and Jim Lockie. We did a, mm. a, a split, sort of three-way split album. We did three songs each, uh, and then they both signed to Extra Mile a little bit after that. Um, so I, you know, I like to joke that I was sort of sat there refreshing my inbox, just being like, okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> me, yeah. But it was, uh, it was nice. It just, it, I mean, as a label, they are that sort of, it is like a big family kind of thing. So um, it just, you know, just all fell into place mm. quite nicely. Um, but it does mean that whenever anyone asks me like for advice about how to get sort of onto labels or anything, I'm like just spend 10 years sort of making some nice <laughs> friends and <laughs> yeah. uh and then it will might happen you know um it's not quite got the uh the time scale for that i have to say uh, shout out to charlie and amphira um extra mile for starters because um we you they just signed my friend's band pet needs and um they were on the podcast well over a year ago and uh they'd kind of started talking to Frank and uh, they asked Frank if we could do like a live podcast at his uh, Lost Weekend thing um, Hmm. uh, in Berlin and then he said yes which was just staggering but obviously we couldn't do it because of lockdown yeah yeah. Um, but then just I just thought I'll I'll chance my arm and ask uh, you know is there anyone who would be up for doing the podcast? And they they just came straight through and helped me out. It's like Charlie answered the email straight away. They're amazing there. They really are. Yeah, they're they're, they're a great gang. Um, and I think like there's always I mean this particular sort of subject matter as well. I think is important to to everybody and people are quite open about it. And um, the the sort of stuff that was around Lost Evenings, they had um sort of workshops about. Um, sort of health and mental health in the industry and um, about kind of sexual violence and you know safety um, yeah. in the industry or at gigs and festivals and stuff so mm. there's always kind of that extra level of um, yeah kind of engagement and stuff and, and 
being involved in things. So yeah, mm. they're, they're sort of forward thinking like that. It's, um, That's great. amazing though. You've got that opportunity. You could just kind of roll around going, well, this is brilliant, mm. but they're actually using it for something good. Mm. I've got respect for that. I think it's it's really important that like record labels um, in in recent times have have actually been very proactive in ensuring like you know like even at, like hardcore gigs and stuff that girls in the audiences and stuff felt comfortable and and people were able to attend shows and not to, to, for not any fear of being ostracised or, or being bullied out of a situation. I mean, I remember sort of in the early two thousands like at the drive-in playing and being around sort of it was a confused audiences wasn't it like people that they, they, they were greeted in England because it was very moshy and very sort of yeah. new metal vibes you know and they were telling everyone to be nice to each other and exactly <laughs> yeah but, but then yeah. lots of like local that's a hardcore uh, thing though isn't it yeah but you just don't have to be an arsehole do you you know it's, yeah. Like, yeah. it's the fundamentals and like, a lot of because obviously with Million Dead and those shows like back in the day were very respectful of everybody and that's sort of extra mm. mile to have definitely taken on that ethos I think you know yeah. it's beautiful yeah so how do you balance it then Barry if you've because uh, you've done some amazing gigs like done the festivals you've gone out and done you know kind of pretty much what I would love to do um, how do you balance all that whilst working just to, is that uh, your holiday it, it was for many years, um, and up until uh, fairly recently, I was uh, I, I kind of took a step back from um, the, the being a permanent employee. And uh, where I work, they have like a temp pool, um, right. so I spent about four or five years uh, bouncing around various jobs like that, um, and being able to kind of plan the music stuff ahead, um, right. and just sort of you know, so it wasn't actual holiday. It was just like, oh, well, I'm not going to work those few weeks or that month and and do music instead um and that was amazing it was really sort of liberating to to properly live sort of uh as a musician first in my brain i think um rather than being like i'm i'm an office worker that does this this thing sometimes um uh obviously pandemic just kind of has made that i mean for a start there's no music to do um i can't tour um and the uh, the stability of, of all that kind of went up in the air, so I've had to had to kind of go back to uh, sort of permanent employment again. Um, but like I work with some cool people, and it's uh, it's quite interesting work. So um, yeah, it's basically just sort of finding finding the time to do it, and and um, sort of setting aside time, and you know, still making sure you actually see your 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 wife and your family and, and friends and stuff as well. So yeah. it's just yeah, it's it's been it's been really good. Um, I did have a year um, in twenty fourteen, I think. I took a career break that was before I was doing temping, um, and uh, I, they actually had this scheme where you could just not go to work for a year and they wouldn't pay you or anything, but they'd keep your job open for you. So I just thought I'll just see what happens if I just do music all the yeah. time, um, and yeah, that's that was kind of the year that um, did a load of stuff for the extra mile, um, but I think it actually um to you know foreshadow some of the the mental health chat it it did drive me a bit mental as well um because it's a thing that i always thought about anyway it's always on my mind in some way um but for that to be the only thing that i have to do it was uh it was probably a little bit detrimental so i I found it yeah i found um it it just became kind of obsessive a little bit 
Um, right. So it's it's I've actually found that I quite like the balance of of being having like well I'm doing you know I've got my day job and and that sort of keeps yeah. the roof over the head and food on the table and music can be its own sort of thing and it's not you're not sort of having that kind of worry about um, sort of finances or what's coming up in the next wherever, wherever it's just purely like right this is the music I want to do let's see what happens you know. Uh, I remember like when I was like in my twenties, desperately trying to make it in a band, and I was I was a chef at the same time, and uh, I'd be uh, like I'd work till four in a kitchen, and then I'd go to London and play a gig, and then you'd go and play a gig and it would be amazing, It'd be, like, and you'd be buzzy and you get I'd get really drunk and it would be like the best night ever. And then the next morning, I have to wake up at eight o'clock to go and uh, you know cut up meat or something in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. And it used to, dry, I used to hate it. It was like this isn't what I should be doing. I should be rocking out. This is yeah, that's yeah. who I am. Mm. Um, but now, now because I'm kind of grown up and I've got kids, like I still would love to go on tour, but I think I'd find it quite scary. Mm. It's um, it's I mean it's my favourite thing to do in music. Like it's the reason that I write and record. Um, yeah. I know some uh, some people write because they you know it sort of flows out of them, and, and people love the recording side of it more maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the the gigs can be sort of you know it's like the necessary evil maybe. But for me, it's like live gigs have always been the thing that I've loved the most. Yeah. Um, and the the joy of like just uh. Or, you know, you get up and all you need to do is travel to the next place, um, and and play. Um, has uh, yeah, it, it's great. I was sort of reminiscing about um, about the the tour we did with Mongol Horde, uh, Frank's heavy band, um, uh, which was seven years ago, uh, coming up to um, yeah, uh, twenty fourteen, and just you know, ten dates. Just it was my birthday during it, and we sort oh, of yeah. you know, ten yeah. days in a row, get up travel play um have a bit of a, a drink hang out with your mates you know next day yeah. feel a bit gross but carry on doing it and just you know it's just um yeah it's 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 really great once you kind of get into the swing of things as well and you know um generally by the time you get to the end of it you're uh you're you feel like you could oh, okay i'm just getting on top of it now <laughs> and then it ends yeah. uh yeah you, you, I, I suppose it's like if you're like um you know, like, uh, like American bands will tour for like the best part of a year. Like, I bet that, I bet that, um, you know, it loses its novelty after a while. It's got to. <laughs> yeah, I expect so. Um, yeah, the longest I've done is probably about sort of 18, 19 days or something like that that I've been away from home. Um, uh, and yeah, they that's that was great. Obviously, I miss yeah, home with my nice. wife, but um, the actual yeah sort of doing the music stuff it's just um i think i because it, although i work with actual it's still quite a diy sort of mentality so i tend to end yeah. up you know doing the driving and book the shows as well yeah. and yeah. you know I've, I've done tours where i've basically been tour manager and playing and driving and all that kind of stuff so um yeah towards the end of that time you're just a bit like i, I could actually do with an early night <laughs> yeah. um I, was, uh, I had this uh conversation with nick a little while ago about um, like we did a stretch of shows and then uh, I, I went back from I got a, a first train back from Newcastle to get 
to see my daughter's Halloween. Um, she was a baby, like a Halloween like get together with her, her and her little nursery mate, <laughs> and then did that. And it's the first time I'd seen my partner in two weeks. Then got back on the train, went to Stoke, played another three shows, and then come back for one day and go back. And by that time, you go back on the tour. And you kind of hate all your bandmates anyway because you're seeing them too much. You've been sharing a travel lodge, you, and you, it's your turn to drive the splitter in the morning. The arseholes want to get out of bed, and it's like, I just want to be back home with my baby in the <laughs> Halloween circle, feeling that shit. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing dynamic. I think. Oh, when I did it, like we we would like maybe go for a week, like again off our own back. We'd get in a van, and we like there was six of us in a band. Luckily, I couldn't drive at the time, which is perfect. Um, but I ended up just hating everyone. I, like, every little thing someone would do, I would just hate them. I'd be sitting in the back trying to read. Uh, and if I was reading, someone got the arms, like, what are you reading for? So, because reading's good. Or they'd be like, wake up, don't go to sleep, we're awake. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is driving me mad. I was trying to get through the Hunter S. Thompson books. No one would let me. <laughs> I've been pretty boring. lucky, really. I think, um, yeah, the the bands, the the three of us, that um, I mean, the, the Oxygen Thief. Uh, it's it's back to being just me because the other guys had to knock it on the head because they run a recording studio and they play in wedding bands as their day job as well. Although obviously yeah. haven't this year. Um. So this, but the studio is getting really busy, and uh, Neil's got a few kids, so. Uh, yeah, they just sort of said it's sort of time to step away from it. So we did one last show um, last January, which turns out was quite a lot of people's last gig that they went to, um, uh, which was just sort of bittersweet. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, those two worked together in the studio. They played together in the wedding band, so they're like just this kind of double act. Um, yeah. And they'll keep themselves, you know, entertained. Although if I want to have a nap, they'll just, you know, I'll fall asleep in there talking and I wake up and they're still talking and it's all complete mm. nonsense um, but they're they're very used to that kind of you know chatting away on the thing and then you know we'll listen to podcasts or I'll just join in with the with the nonsense and sort of going from there um, the other stuff I've done when I've toured on my own is um, tend to like tour with either like supporting a mate or with a mate supporting and yeah. so we just have that kind of little support bubble and we kind of look after each other and keep mm-hmm. each other entertained and DJ and things like that so um, yeah I've, I've, I don't think I'm, I am quite laid back as well so it could be that everyone's super annoying and I'm just kind of bumbling along and having a great time because yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just you know I try not to <laughs> I just try and get on with people really do you do you find when like you all like roll out into a service station that you feel like a sort of motorcycle game yeah there's there is that kind of like we're not just stopping off on a day trip somewhere yeah. you know um it's and you're, like you're all wearing... the stuff that should stay in the tour box like all that all that the stupid shit that you do it then spreads out yeah, into the local service do station do you know what i mean yeah 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 <laughs> you need, you're just kind of having to kind of edit yourself uh and try not to um to infect the uh the others <laughs> with the madness I had uh, in our band there was twins uh, and they would have like rolling battles Mm. you could pull up into a Granada and they would both go and steal things and then have a fight (laughs) and it was just it was just constant constant madness because they they never had no money because they didn't have jobs so um, 
Yeah, I was looking through some of the stuff you've done before, and you've been quite open about taking medication, Barry. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, I think it's um. The, well, there, there's too much stigma around mental health anyway, um, yeah. and so uh, I spent quite a number of years not really addressing it properly I don't think and just sort of powering through and having you know the odd down day or something and but just sort of you know talking it through with my wife or putting into sort of music stuff and um just sort of channeling things and sort of skirting around it really and sort of managing it I think um but then yeah a few years ago um I think it was after I think it was after I did the um the career break thing and I sort of went back to work after a year of sort of music stuff and I yeah. I'd had um that was obviously depressing um but also during that time when I was kind of getting a bit over obsessed with it I noticed things like the the sort of buzz of good news was lasting less and less um and yeah. I had a the, the 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 moment that I realized that something wasn't quite right was um I was on tour um I I was in Manchester, I think, and I'd had an email uh, offering me a slot uh, um, on the acoustic stage at Download Festival, yeah. and I was like super pumped and really excited, mm, and amazing. you know, it's just one of those things that it was kind of in the background that it possibly could happen, but I yeah. just didn't hear anything back for ages, and um, and then yeah, when it's finally con- confirmed, I was just like brilliant, you know, I'm on tour, I'm going to do this, this is incredible, and then about half an hour after that, I was, like, utterly pissed off that I didn't have anything booked for August or something like that, you know, and I I just completely lost all perspective about it, Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of a bit of an eye-opener of, like, my brain isn't working quite right, Mm. Um, and then, yeah, going back to work and sort of having the routine of stuff that you... uh, I sort of rejoined the office at the same point in the year so like I was doing the same thing that I was doing just before I'd left so it felt like that whole year had been a weird dream um, yeah. and so that all kind of compounded and so that's when I sort of thought right I'll, I'll actually sort of do something about this sort of properly um, and yeah like um, one of the things with the non-canon lyrics is that uh, I try to be sort of quite straight forward and quite open and quite honest with them the oxygen thief things tend to be wrapped up in little kind of word games and like you know sort of trying to skirt around and play with um the themes and uh topics and songs whereas non-canon is much more like right this is this is what this is about um here's what's happening um and so the opening uh line on the second album um is literally a true story like I went to the doctor to renew my prescription she asked me uh, how things were working out and I said it's hard I think it's working but it's hard to tell when the world is shit (laughs) Um, (laughs) and so I I like that as like a a kind of a story to sort of you know I swore at my GP Um, uh, uh, that that amused me uh, but also I I thought it's just quite a direct kind of introduction to Mm the album um and yeah it's, it is something that is um being stigmatized for so long and people are sort of wary of talking about it maybe yeah. i mean that might be one of the uh the sort of silver linings of the pandemic i think is that everyone just in daily life it's like people that would never normally talk to each other about it are just you know people start conversations with like how are you like really how are you um, yeah. and 
so hopefully that will kind of continue and people will carry on being mm. sort of much more open and, and much more um, willing to talk and understand and be aware of other people's that maybe people who haven't experienced things directly themselves will um they've had a a taste of it i suppose they've they've had this kind of uh, acute thing because of the situation that everyone's sharing um so you know maybe that will mean that uh their understanding of it will will kind of carry on i hope i I had this uh weird kind of realization that the lockdown um in many ways emulates depression um you know like kind of being indoors not being able to do anything or or you know like when i'm really really low i, I don't want to do anything my motivation's like you know through the floor and um <clears throat> and i will just be isolated indoors and then that becomes a problem in itself and uh when I'm really low I don't really look forward to anything mm. uh, and now everyone's forced into a position where there's nothing really to look forward to um, and you're kind of forced into this kind of more insular environment uh, and it kind of feels like depression in many ways mm. and I think people are, can get a little bit of an insight into what it's like maybe a small amount you know from being indoors for so long you get this rough idea of what being depressed is like. Mm. Barry, do you, do you um, spend a lot of time on your own working when you're like making music? Uh, yeah, um, I do. Yeah, I mean, I do sort of pretty much everything myself. Yeah. Um, sort of, so I record a lot at home. Um, yeah. The uh, Oxygen Leaf Band stuff was obviously like in the studio with the guys, but then I do all the kind of backing vocals at home because uh-huh. um, uh, I like to kind of experiment with them and it's boring as hell for yeah, <laughs> somebody yeah. to be you know um uh but yeah the non-canon stuff uh i i uh recorded as much well i recorded pretty much all of it at home mm-hmm. um went to a studio for the drums um had people over for to sort of do piano and, mm-hmm. and sort of strings and things but um uh yeah the actual kind of writing and rehearsing process mm-hmm. is all um yeah me and my in in our spare room and uh or going to a rehearsal studio and kind yeah. of running through stuff so because i Interestingly, like with with the whole like the recent lockdown stuff and that, I've I've worked on my own for I don't know five six years, sort of doing mm. production and music and stuff, and and I found that having um, a common denominator with people in general now that are home alone and working from home and just working by themselves is f- making links of conversation easier with people I wouldn't necessarily have spoken to. And that's enabling people to be a bit more open about this is a bit shit and I can't quite deal with certain things, you know? Because mm. um, I'm, I'm typically a collaborator. It's like, well, I love my friends around me, but then those relationships become very open and I'm very open with my feelings and the, the development of those relationships and people. Mm. It's just really interesting learning now about how people um, are working alone. And dealing with it, I think. Mm. Um, so that, so that your your other job, are you now obviously just based at home as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I started a, a new post at the beginning of the year, so I've been doing all the training and induction yeah. and stuff um, completely remotely, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, a whole thing in itself. Um, whereas before, it was like people, you know, 
I'd go home, went home from an office yeah. that I had been working in and was talking to people that I had met in real life. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's all right. My wife um, is, is as well. So we, we sort of wake up in the morning, make breakfast, um, go to separate ends of the house and, you know, and then sort of go to that, meet, meet up for a cup of tea. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's quite nice in, in a lot of ways because you're hanging out a bit more and sort of catching mm. up. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a bit odd. I mean, I... I seem to have been um, uh, sort of locking into different projects that uh, I, I've been sort of—I uh, don't know whether they're coping mechanisms or what—but yeah. um, throughout the first lockdown, um, I sat and watched all of these uh, Star Trek original series in the background while I was working yeah. on my laptop. Um, in and then after that, I listened to all my vinyl records um, from A to Z. Um, then. In that weird bit, hinterland when things were open a little bit, and I was going back into an office. Um, I listened to all my Bandcamp collection, um, sort of as I was walking to and from the office. And now I've I've decided I'm going to do all my CDs um, from beginning to end. Uh, and I've got I'm, I mean, where are we? Like the 18th of February, and I've just finished the Bowie section. Nice. Um, yeah, you posted Bowie stuff. That's why I commented today. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big Bowie fan. Yeah. But it's um yeah I mean I don't I, you know I I sincerely hope that we won't be in lockdown um or we won't be in these kind of restricted conditions for for me to get all the way to Z um, yeah. in my CDs but um yeah I, I think it's going to take some time to get through them but it's quite an interesting um uh, experience to kind of revisit stuff in that way and not have to make that decision of what you're going to listen to and you're just you know you're sort of working through things and sort of re- rediscovering things but. I do think it is it is something that, uh, like you say, we haven't got anything to look forward to. We haven't got anything to plan. Mm. In, um, I I haven't planned any get people sort of talking about you know sort of booking tours for the autumn and stuff. And it's like, well, I'm I don't I don't feel like I can cope with the idea of cancelling yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So um, you know, I had a couple of things penciled in like really loosely, like really lightly for for May, like back in. September, I think that we were talking about that, um, but it was just literally like if it feels like, and you know, obviously it's not going to. Um, but uh, yeah, and like cancelling, I was going to go to Lost Evenings last year in Berlin as well, so we planned a tour, sort of travelling there and back, and obviously that all got binned, and um, yeah, I just don't, I don't quite have the, the the mental capacity to sort of build up the excitement uh, and planning, and then sort of ditch it. Um, but I think like having having something organised like that that I've got I know what I'm doing each day I'm listening to these CDs I'm sort of and I'm sort of looking forward ahead in some things to you know oh that'd be interesting in August when I get to M and can listen to all the Manix albums you know Um, yeah yeah. so yeah I think maybe that's that's sort of uh, um, linked I'm going to take photos of every t-shirt I wear every day and posting them in a thread and um is that a glass shirt t-shirt you've got on? Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they've just, dude. I, I had that t-shirt years ago, and I ripped it in a mosh pit. <laughs> so, fuck. Yeah. This is my second one of it. Um, I didn't rip yeah. it in a mosh pit because I'm, I'm, I'm useless at mosh pits. But um, <laughs> I wore it. The, I wore it so much that it, the color faded. It yeah. just became like it, scratchy cardboard. Yeah. Horror. Um. So I bought the, the same one again. Yeah. Man. Um. From their website. Um. I got I got the the massive G's in like the rainbow colours. 
okay. had, I, I wore that one on tour for like I'd like play a show wear a different t-shirt next night play another one and it got to a point where it's got a bit cardboard like you know yeah, yeah. So but I um, think that's yeah I wore it at gigs, gigs a lot as well um, yeah, and uh, yeah I think that kind of sweat <laughs> corrosive yeah things, I mean it's intrusive to band t-shirts. That's probably what we were talking about, sweating, before we, we came were. on. Yeah. <laughs> we spent about half an hour talking about sweating. <laughs> and sharing well, tips on not sweating. Yeah. That could be the that could be a, a, an offshoot podcast. Yeah, where we yeah, talk yeah. About wonderful. The deodorant reviews. Yeah. I, th- I think it sounds like a really lovely coping mechanism, though. And it's something... like I, I see my CD collection, and it's like, yeah... I really like the idea of that. I might steal it from you. <laughs> no, go. I mean, yeah. please do. Um, I, I, I will uh, accept ten percent of your likes. And Brilliant. As a, as a kind of, you know, I'll tag you, you in get, every if you post. Twenty likes well. on that. I'm like, right, great. Yeah, Two of them are mine. Yeah. Fantastic. It's 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 a a thing about achieving something, it, even if it's something really kind of simple. Like uh, you know, you watch. I've been watching all of the American Office again, and. Uh, it's like you're kind of working towards something and that makes you feel a bit better yeah yeah it's sort of um i suppose like social media has that kind of dopamine sort of response thing of you know which can get a bit unhealthy um but when you're it's something that is quite it's just your own sort of little world and you're you're kind of working through that and it's it's sort of prompting conversations with people and um you know where people are kind of talking about whichever that's their favourite Bowie album or you know um, I'd listened to all the Blink 182 ones that I've got and um, you know we're sort of talking about so different people I know obviously like different age groups and stuff so um, where I came in uh, around sort of an enema of the state and whereas they would have come in around the self-titled one so um, you know the sort of different perceptions we have of bands mm-hmm. based on where in the discography uh, we we arrived with them yeah, um, yeah. and which was the new album when it came out and um, you know which was your your new album that sort of thing yeah um, so it's yeah it's like you know you've got all the memories of the gigs that you've seen of all these bands and then also you know kind of interacting with people um, and chatting about various bits and bobs you um, do getting get recommendations snobbery, and, don't you about mm. these things yeah. it's like yeah no I like Nirvana Bleach era you know I liked them before <laughs> Nevermind's <laughs> Yeah. So, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's yeah. I mean, I I I probably had my my fair share of uh, that kind of attitude and things. And um, but it's I think maybe as, as you get older, you just oh, it's stop, totally oh, yeah, you get yeah. start to feel like you don't give a shit about that kind of stuff exactly. anymore. And you're just like, okay, I'm you know I'm going to listen to. So I've I've also so my task of listening to all the CDs has been um, kind of uh, enlarged, I suppose, by the fact that. A mate of mine gave me all his CDs when he moved house because they'd been in his loft for 10 years and he didn't want to put them in another loft and then eventually have to put them in another loft or, you know, have his kids throw them away uh, in 50 years. Um, I think hopefully that was giving him a a reasonable lifespan. Um, But, um, yeah, so I kind of, you know, ditched all the the duplicates and stuff, but then I've got, you know, all these kind of um, extra things to, to listen to. Um, and then there's like some random pop CDs that that like I think were his wife's or his sisters that ended up in his collection and and things and um, 
so yeah i'm like i'm yeah i'm gonna listen to the all saints album i've, I've never listened to that um they had some some great songs I had a bit of fun trolling uh, people by saying that their original version of under the bridge is much better than Pepper's <laughs> cover um but actually, after posting that as a joke, I think I actually did in, do enjoy that version more these yeah. days. As a teenager, yeah. I was like, ah, what's going on, boo? Wasn't um, it kind of glitchy, wasn't it? It went... Yeah. Yeah, they had the little kind of record scratch kind of sample in there. Um, but yeah, it's, I, you know, the things that you care about when, when you're younger and uh, and sort of obsessive and... I don't know, maybe you're kind of forging your own identity and you're kind of a bit insecure maybe and you, you know, maybe that, I don't know whether that's an age thing or experience or, or just um, yeah, a random I, I, progression. I, I was definitely that kid that was a bit like, I'm never listening to that sort of thing. It's like, oh, what a dickhead. <laughs> I'm know? still, like, I still um, kind of, I really like Blink-182. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I love the Neighbourhoods album loads. And I really, really, really like Angels and Airwaves. Um, okay. What about Boxcar Racer? No, I love Boxcar Racer was that transition. Yeah, album was good. Yeah. yeah, I listened to that earlier on. That was... Um, and of course, I looked it's in the, the beat. Yeah, I looked at the um, the back cover and was like, I recognised the first song. Yeah. I don't recognise any of the others. No. I don't remember ever listening <laughs> no. to this. No. Um, yeah. And um, then I put it on and like I knew about half of it. Like I was like, oh okay, you know, um, and it is really good. It's a really good record. Yeah, it's um, really well, well produced, right? It sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's quite a lot of auto tune on Tom DeLonge's voice because yeah. <laughs> um, there's all these really long held notes. You know, like yeah, yeah there can't are. do those. Yeah. Can't do that. <laughs> I didn't uh, think of that. Yeah, totally. Well, Angels and Airwaves has got loads of notes like that, Lynn. Mm. I love Angels and Airwaves. I went to see him once, and I, I was totally blown away. And I went outside to smoke a fag. And uh, I was sitting down because I tend to not like standing up. And a girl sitting next to me, some like goth girl, was. T- I started talking to her, and she uh, lit up a joint. And I was like, "Let's have a bit of that. Let's have a bit of that." <laughs> and then I saw security passed it back to her. She got busted and thrown out, and I bombed it back in. <laughs> <laughs> Properly stitched Gosh. her up. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I I said to my mate, I like Angels and Airways, and he's still like a snob, and he was going, that's teenagers' music. It is what it is, mate. Well, Tom DeLong's got to be like my age. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Awful. So, um, when you went to the doctor's, Barry, coming back on topic... Got absolutely um, sidetracked. Yeah, I don't mind that. It's fine. Um, So, did the doctor just put you straight on medication? Um, they, well, I'm trying to think now. I think, um, they, I had been for some, uh, some counselling, uh, via my workplace as well, because they, they sort of provide that. Um, and I think they kind of talked through what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I, I've, yeah, I've had sort of counselling. I've not had like sort of proper structured therapy or anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, they asked me what, what I, thought i wanted to do um uh, and i yeah i was kind of with the mentality of i thought that was what i wanted to do you know i I sort of went there thinking that's probably uh the route that that i'd like to take um and so yeah they just sort of i had a chat about that um i can't i mean it's quite a while ago now so i can't really remember 
whether there was much discussion about which you know what to take or anything like that but end up with fluoxetine which is um prozac yeah the sort of generic term for that um and uh yeah so we've been on it since really like just sort of started off at um one of the i can't remember how were they 50 milligram or one, one tablet a day yeah um and then you know go through the side effects of, of sort of uh it kicking in um and then sort of went up to two and then sort of bounced between that one and two a little bit over the years sort of trying to sort of ease back a little bit just to see what would happen um and uh yeah like you know um sometimes that's great sometimes it's not um and it's quite i don't know i, I I feel like there's sort of an expectation that people sort of set themselves that they will someday not be taking them, yeah. um, which I I don't think. I mean, I've, I've I've seen people writing about the fact that that's not you know it's that's not necessarily the end goal. Um, if you yeah. do need it, uh, then you know, like any other condition that you have, um, if it's you know anti uh, not antibiotic like some uh, diabetics they need to take insulin constantly. Yeah. They, they're not sort of working towards a day when they will can wean themselves off it um so i'm I'm kind of open to it really just thinking well you know if it's the right thing to do i mean i i, I was feeling pretty decent sort of towards the end of last year weirdly even though it's everything's horrible um i think yeah. um you know having a new job to look forward to and less uncertainty with that um and also uh there being news about vaccines and things and just sort of starting to be able to see a uh, a future open up yeah. a little bit um, mm. was was quite interesting. So I, I sort of spent a month or so um, sort of dropped down a little bit. But then I noticed my mood was just just went weird. You know, I it just wasn't right. Um, so did I you notice quickly? Picked it back up. Like not it's, really. A lot of the time, it's hard to be that self aware. Yeah, I think um, I think it's it's just sort of. A, a mixture of kind of keeping an eye, you know, sort of trying to be aware of your own things, and also kind of um, having people around you, you know, having a, a wife or a partner, or yeah. you know, somebody you know, you're talking to that is going to notice. Um, and so, um, yeah, she sort of noticed that I wasn't, you know, um, as uh, I don't know, not perky's the wrong word. I wasn't. Um, I, I would be more ten, you know, tending towards um not feeling great um so I what, you, I tend, what, what i what occurred to me you know you were talking about um when uh, those kind of obsessive behaviors yeah um and normally before i have a a, a crash or a bad mental period um that normally comes after a period of that obsessive behavior mm -hmm. okay and then my wife She'll see it coming a mile off, and she's going, "You need to calm it down." You know, yeah. I, I'm getting concerned that you're going to have a crash, and invariably I then have a crash, and then she's like, "Go to the doctors, get your medication changed." I've been through the gamut, really. Um, but yeah, when you said that about um, having that kind of obsessive period, like I kind of I could see that in myself. Mm. I think for another thing that um, it manifests for me is uh, that I will uh, just 
sort of lose any ability to be um uh to be happy for the success of others yeah <laughs> um so like yeah. you see you see other people you doing things and and like because there's obviously there's an ambitious drive that makes you want to do you know yeah. you want to write more stuff more better songs you want to play yeah. more bigger better gigs or festivals or you know do whatever um and um generally i'm happy with uh setting my own you know what set working to my own standards you know yeah. we're not all going to be frank turner and um, we're not all going to be you know um you know insert name here but yeah. um i think uh yeah on occasions i will just notice that seeing somebody you know just getting a, a bit of attention um you know be, being retweeted by somebody else i'll i'll just get jealous of it and in a real in a sort of really ungenerous way um and it's not i don't slag people off i don't kind of you know kind of do anything about it i just just go oh bloody yeah what was ginger wildheart listen to their album and not mine blah, 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 even though we did you know all this kind of stuff and, and it's, I'm and it's ginger <laughs> well yeah, no like he literally he did he retweeted something like a friend's band um and loads of people started listening to it and um a bit of my brain was like oh blah, blah, blah. and like i know that that's wrong yeah. and so like uh i yeah the fact that that thought stayed in my head more than a second yeah. um is was like a warning sign you know um so uh yeah i suppose like it social media being kind of a thing that can you know can get too obsessive like yeah. I, I tend to periodically delete the apps from my phone so that i'm not just like checking it constantly um and and sort of level out and stuff and so you know like now i'm i'm back to you know that kind of thrill of seeing your peers doing yeah, bit doing well, you know. Despite the um, the t- awful situation we're in, there's still successes to be had, and that it's great that people are, uh, you know, releasing great music and um, doing these cool online shows and stuff, and um, and that I can enjoy that for what it is without having that weird bit of your brain going, yeah, but why? Um, <laughs> oh God, you know what? It's... You've really hit upon something there. That is me. I do that. <laughs> when I was younger, my friends would all my friends would be like, "Oh yeah, Nick, yeah, he's a bitter bastard." <laughs> it was just this idea that I was always really bitter, and I was, and I, and I was bitter because I was mentally unwell. And um, you know what? I think you've just you've just done me a massive favour there to kind <laughs> of recognise something in myself that when I start becoming bitter, that I'm starting to go downhill. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not. Uh, you know, if the, um, some people are just miserable pricks, but it's. Um, you know, but like when it's that's not your your normal situation. When it's not your, um, and when you know, it's it's so. Um, you know, um, sometimes there will be situations where you you'll be you, you know you can justifiably think like, oh well, I've done X, Y, and Z, and it hasn't led to whatever yeah. technically comes after Z, um, and. Uh, and other people maybe have skipped straight from A to Z, and you know, and you, it, it sort of pisses you off and things. But um, it's when it's it's like irrational. I think is when mm. when it's just completely um, sort of self defeating, and it's people that you like, yeah. and, you know, mm. um, and it doesn't. I mean, yeah. What what good is it going to do to sort of stew in the, the the sort of idea of 
oh, why am I not more? Blah. Um, hmm. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it, that's, I think that's the sort of pattern recognition and also the, the loss of perspective. I think that I, I lose perspective on things um, and the, the fact that I, you know, I'm not doing something. I, because I, it is something that um, sort of outwardly and also um, th- in terms of ambition, you always kind of want to do better than mm. you've done before. You know, each yeah. year should be better than the year before or each song should be better than the one before. Um, so if you kind of get into a a point where, I mean, there's going to be a natural plateau at some point. And yeah. like, you know, you can't, every gig cannot be like you cannot play better or have a better audience reaction and sell more merch and have a nicer time um every single time because at some point you will have the most fun you could possibly have um you know and yeah there there is there is a ceiling to these things isn't it i i find that i go through like serious bouts of um depressive anxiety wake up with knots in my stomach and then i think what I've found that's really nice is that when you can uh, recognise your own achievements. So, mm. so you, I stop worrying about what other people are doing and be like, actually, I am all right. And then getting out of bed suddenly, day by day, gets a bit easier. And I, f- yeah. f- and, and I, f- I think that's really important. Like, I mean, you've achieved so much if you think about what you've done, right? And it's and it's it's so lovely. It's such a lovely thing that you've been able to do this. And and no matter, and we, we all build up walls, and we all build up. I, I personally have suffered massively from that. And when you can look around and go, "I've got a lovely family," "I've done all of this lovely stuff," it's it's quite it's quite helpful, I think. And yeah. through plenty of counselling, I've I've had and and chatting to friends and using my friends in a really open way, like having those conversations and being really supportive is is I I personally think just the most important thing. I really do to, to, that- to help you. <clears throat> It's that thing that I've kind of, I've gone through in therapy, and I have to mm. constantly remind myself is that um, you know, like you can you shouldn't compare yourself to others no. because uh, you, you've got no idea of what they're going through for starters. Mm. But all um, but the main point being is that if you're looking to others to make you feel good about yourself, then you fucked it. You got it wrong yeah. because yeah, that is a it. complete fool's errand, and it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's um, there, there's got to be a balance, hasn't there? And you, you, you know, it there is it is weird that I mean, I don't know about you guys, but the the fact that not being able to do gigs like normally, if I didn't yeah. play for a couple of months, yeah. um, then I would it would there's just something that in me that yeah. just needs to do it, mm-hmm. um, and so the fact that I've not been able to, and it's just everyone can't, um. It, I think maybe that's been a little bit easier to bear, but also it just feels like a chunk of my identity is sort of out the window. Yeah, like, totally. Uh, yeah. Um, this thing that I've done, you know, I haven't gone without playing a gig for more than two or three months in fifteen plus years, mm. maybe. You know, there's always something. You know, so it's it's that kind of, um, yeah, like it's a bit of your your soul or whatever is is just not sort of there at the moment and and also it's um difficult to sort of contextualize that contextualize that in the fact that you know people are out there dying and being seriously ill and you're like oh i can't do the thing that makes me feel nice (laughs) it's you know but it's it's 
you've got to kind of balance that and recognise that it is still valid to be down. Yeah, about you've still stuff. lost something. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it exactly that. It's, it's and it makes it's you like feel grief, good about right? yourself, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like that instant, you know, if you're playing well mm. and you've worked hard to do even, songs and Even that. being in a room with others smashing a guitar about, like, for me, doing that on a Tuesday and a Thursday night in a loud room, mm. it just does something. It just, it's intrinsic. It's in your blood, mm. you know. And it's a release, it's, isn't it? It's like going to the gym, that yeah. sort of thing, you know. It's, but it's, it's up here too. Screaming your lungs out—it's all—it's—it's yeah. it's all of you, and to not do it, yeah. it's fucking. Do you know what I mean? You got to find solace in silence, yeah. almost, and it's, it's difficult. Right? Yeah, I did some recording. Um, I did um a covers EP just before Christmas. Um, which was so like I'm reissuing my first Oxygen Thief album on vinyl this year. Amazing. Um, because it's the 10th anniversary. So, um, so as a sort of thank you type thing and also something to do um i've been doing kind of these extra little sort of things to to sort of include with the download yeah. um so like people gathered up all my old old pre-album demos and you know the ones that i was cut, cutting up with scissors and you know putting them together myself yeah. and yeah. and put that as a download and um so i did this this um ep of covers um and recorded most of it at home but then went to um one of those pirate studios you know where you kind of like dial in and yeah, whatever, yeah, book it online um so they've got like some basically vocal booths so i went there and just spent oh, a few God. hours yelling um <laughs> just so that <laughs> not to disturb the neighbors and um, you know out. family and stuff so um yeah so that was that was great that was really sort of cathartic and fun um i listened to your uh jailhouse rock killing in the name of oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. totally works doesn't it <laughs> yeah yeah that was in my head as a basically a, a joke i would i would like yell at people like i don't know the the fact that the words fit each other got yeah. in my head and i used to scream jailhouse rock at people in rock clubs um uh and yeah so like it had been in my head to do it for about 10 years before we got around to doing it um and I, it's so yeah super fun did coming back to mental health did you ever um like kind of get to grips as to why you felt that way like anything outside of just feeling that way not really um i think there's i mean i've always been quite a a thinky you know i've always quite always been in my head um as a growing up i just write a lot and kind of fixate about you know worry about things and get kind of uh you know angsty as a as a teenager i suppose which never really went away um my parents split up when i was like 16 and that that sort of turned yeah, me into a proper little emo um uh yeah emo, emo zone um and yeah I, I don't know if that was necessarily a catalyst or a cause or anything like that but it certainly sort of like shaped that kind of age you know that that period of my life yeah um, my parents split up when i was like 20 and supposedly at 20 i've got it all together and it was only really later on I realised how much it actually really did hit me. Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, like I, it sort of, you know, um, soured my sort of view on a lot of things. And, yeah. um, like, my my wife and I had been, like, I, was, I was basically adamant that I would never get married because I was just like, ah, it's pointless. It's like, what's the point in doing a thing when you can just blah, blah, blah. Um, and it, you know, like, that, it took quite a, a long time. I think we were together for about eight years before. 
I kind of got my brain around the fact that it's just that doesn't necessarily need to define it you know I went yeah. to a lot of other weddings saw that they were fun uh, and um, you know that the sort of I don't know just kind of got sold on the idea I think <laughs> but by it being by seeing it happen and, and it being a, a lovely thing uh, mm. and instead of it being uh, an expectation sort of put onto you you know yeah. mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that that was something um, that was quite that was kind of pivotal. But um, I don't think there's, you know, I I, I think it's just, um, I don't know. I, I assume that it's it's like there's there's like a you know a bit of an imbalance or there's a tendency towards that sort of mode of thinking. Um, yeah, and that for I some reason right. it we will do just have a tendency to go that way. It's funny because. Uh, like for myself I can kind of make sense of things that have happened and things that have moulded my thinking and um, and then I've spoken to other people on the podcast like over the over the years and they've been very much well no nothing was bad it was it's a chemical thing and that's it and then mm-hmm. I'll talk to them and then I'm like you've had a really hard life <laughs> you yeah. know it's kind of like it makes sense to me Mm-hmm. But it's, I suppose it's however you put things together. Yeah, and and how you cope with things. Like I, for the longest time, I didn't really talk to people about any time I felt low, um, yeah. through uni and stuff. I, like my uh, my way of coping with that would be to kind of be more um, more extroverted. You know, let's go out, let's do stuff, let's play gigs, or let's go clubbing, or let's go drinking, or you know go out do stuff um so when i know people who are the other way like when when they're low they they need to not do stuff um or they're anxious um Mm. that was sort of a bit difficult for me to really understand and also i kind of thought that putting everything into music you know people would hear it and understand and and they would they would sort of whereas uh they don't people you know people don't you know your your family here you know, your parents hear like a song you wrote as a teenager about how awful it was uh, for you at when, that time and they're like that was a nice song yeah they're like, not like, really listening oh, i like that one why don't mm. why don't why don't you play that one at you know on christmas day when you come over like, yeah, well, I'm not going to do that that's that's no. awful and you probably only got a small percentage of fans, even like people who listen mm. to it more widely will be like, oh, "I can hear where you were coming from there," because yeah. we all kind of bring our thing to it. Of course, you yeah, do. yeah. I mean, you think like all the Rage Against the Machine fans that are like ridiculously right wing and yeah. <laughs> yelling "fuck you" or "don't do what you tell me" yeah. about wearing masks or um, or supporting Trump or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Just, People, yeah, people don't. I mean, if you want people to know what you're thinking, you kind of have to tell them. Mm. Um, I think at the end of the day, and I think that's yeah, that's sort of why I've I've got been more direct with the non-canon stuff. Is that um, yeah, you literally have to put it in there. Yeah, I just I just kind of wanted to be sort of honest and kind of you know sort of I don't know just sort of put it out there really Mm. Um, and. Uh, not hide behind a, you know, cause, and yeah, I think things are, you know, things like this podcast and, and various other kind of initiatives and charities and stuff. There's so much more 
um, awareness and uh, like I mean last night I'd, I had a chat with some some mates um, that I've not seen Those are, we were a band together when we were at Sitform and you know we all like brothers you know as you are you're just like constantly bickering and sort of hanging out and yeah. you know in each other's pockets and stuff but uh i don't think we ever really had a serious conversation about yeah, really how funny. we were for those three or four years um but we sort of got back together because one of them's going through some stuff and we we thought we'd we'd actually you know have a catch up and you know sort of have, mm. give him the chance to sort of talk to uh talk it through or just or whatever you wanted really um mm. and so that's you know that's not a kind of conversation that I ever thought that the four of us would have had you know it was it was always just dick jokes and farts yeah, you know yeah. that that was basically 100% of our um uh, of our relationship uh before so it's really nice to be being here like 20 years later and being able to be like really open with mm. with people you've known for all that time it's so um, true like when I started doing this podcast and being really like really open and honest about my own issues um friends that I had I'd be talking about my teens and everyone thought oh yeah Nick's always wankered he's a right laugh and it's like and now they realise why I was always really drunk and yeah, taking yeah. all the drugs yeah and they're like oh, I'm so sorry I wasn't there for you it's like well no no none of us talked about any of this stuff you know it's no. not you I think that's like the, the positive you know like seeing the positives and things and like I think um, like I've I learn a lot from younger people, um, you know, about all sorts of stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, sure. when it's the kind of social justice issues and sort of, um, you know, trans rights and racism and things. That there's always, um, I'm, you know, sort of quite aware that people are sort of coming up and and sort of rewriting the rule books for those yeah. kind of things. I think mm. it doesn't feel so much like. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't really feel like I learn from like older people. You know, I, I just, yeah, maybe. No, I, agree. I think there's a point where you like with your parents. You you sort of they start off by kind of telling you things like you know you have to do this because I said so, and you know yeah. if you ask why, it's like well I said so. That's how it is. Yeah. This is this is how it is. Um, and then I don't know whether it's a, a thing that they uh, in losing that power they sort of rail against the. Mm the things that are suddenly, you know, you can't say anymore, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but I, I don't know, like, I feel like the older I get, the more I want to learn and the more I want to yeah. um, to sort of empathise with others and, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm more and more willing to to um, accept my own ignorance about more or less everything. Um, there's, there's, there's a beauty in the fact as well that there's a, a lovely transparency that's coming... Um, through from people like just being honest about who they are like we're quite young as well and and yeah, getting together yeah. and being and supporting one another and that is something i didn't have growing up everyone no, no, ostracizes each other it is a bit i agree and it's beautiful and it's enabling us to learn as, yeah. you know yeah, being, yeah. being older it's lovely and then so and there's more you know like as, as a teenager i suppose like that was I've been watching It's a Sin recently. I'm yeah, the last episode tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were deliberately watching it week by week rather than on all yeah, four. Um, cool. But like, I remember like Queer as Folk being yeah. around when I was a kid yeah, or teenager right. or whatever. But I wouldn't have watched it then. Like, I'd, I wasn't what I would consider like homophobic or anything. But I think mm. just in that kind of casual teenage boy way, where you're like, mm. I remember not going to see the Full Monty with my friends because I was like. 
who, why do I want to see a thing well, about blokes yeah. taking yeah. their clothes off? You yeah, know, yeah. so th- those yeah. kind of like sort of toxic um, things that you kind of recognise yeah, uh, when looking back. But at the, the you know at the very least, it means that you've got loads more sort of entertainment and more yeah. um, experiences and more richer stories to gotcha. um, to to sort of experience and build up more empathy and understanding about sort of people and you know. Obviously, artwork. Uh, art I remember sort of. watching Queerest Folk, and like, that's a really good show. Like at yeah, the it time, it was really, really good. And just desperately thinking, like, oh, I hope I don't get aroused. <laughs> I was really scared that I was going to get aroused because I remember I was always frightened. I was gay for so many years, hmm. um, just because I wasn't as like manly as everyone else. But it's, yeah, and, then, and that, uh, that's now, so. Like, so detrimental to yeah to to have that as uh a a, a thing in in your brain isn't it you know and so it's it's mad because like i've always i've always thought that um if you're open enough to experience and want something right so if if, i've always sort of said if i if i happen to see a man that i was attracted to or or whatever that may be i would never stop myself ever because yeah i'm yeah always and that, that that was from like being sort of late teens, I guess. See, I think but, that's really cool. Yeah. Mm. But I think like you're ten years younger, like, mm. younger than yeah. me, and I think like that might have a lot to do with it. Yeah, I'd potentially. Be frightened. But we we but me and my friends still had that same mentality of like you know taking a piss out of one another. None of us were homophobic or anything, but it was there was still yeah. there. But that's just naive, the unknown, uncertainty, I guess. But I I, I think there's. I don't know. It's it's weird. I've sort of grown up around lots of different types of people, and that's uh, that's it's in it's enriching, isn't it? Yeah, I've like, been to know. like loads yeah. of gay clubs and things. And no, I, I mean, mate, if, like, you, if really you don't want to dance to gay disco, the best you're... nights out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is it. <laughs> it was funny the other day. Um, I went to the chip shop with my son. My son's ten, and he's got autism. Everything's very black and white. Uh, and he was saying. Uh, this program that he's watching, um, The Last Airbender, it's like an anime thing, and there's a gay character in that, and he was going, uh, like, that he thought it was really good that there was a gay character in it. And I just said, well, dude, you know, you know, if you're, like, if you, if you're gay, you know, like, that's all cool, and no, like, no one's going to judge you for it. And he just went, well, I don't really think about those things. It's hmm. for, like it's just completely non-judgmental. It's just yeah. don't yeah, think yeah. about those things. Yeah. Straightforward. It, yeah. Hope, yeah, and hopefully that is a thing we'll, that will continue. That you know, because it is, yeah, like, the fact that people are better represented. And I didn't really realize until relatively recently how damaging the kind of section 28 stuff was yeah. I didn't know until like, that program no and like it, it's that like oh okay so you know it. when you think back you, you like, realise oh no they, it wasn't ever really discussed in school and um, and for the, the the fact that kids growing up are acknowledged that it is like it's just a normal part of life and it's how people are um it must be you know it must be really kind of liberating and stuff um 
It's, it's mm. you know, it's nice. It's nice to be hopeful from time to time. Yeah, yeah, it really no, is. I, yeah. I've, I've, in my previous job, I worked with uh, lots of like kind of teenagers, and all right, the kind of the more butch blokes, uh, would they'd call each other gay and then they'd want to beat each other up for it. But that was only kind of on the surface. Generally, they were incredibly open-minded, and they just mm. weren't really interested. They just didn't. Mm. Nothing was an issue. Hmm. That's it's a cool thing. It is. It's amazing. So, uh, well, we're over. We're over the hour. We are. <laughs> it's been a lovely chat, Barry. Yeah. yeah, it's been great. I know. I know. I could <laughs> can ramble on and uh, get go on. You know, sort of detours and things. So uh, yeah, <laughs> no. no it's, but it's been really interesting to chat. And um, yeah, like like we said, like the more that uh, people do talk about things and the more awareness mm. um is is the better really and and kind of you know the awareness of how everyone's stories are so different as well mm. um you know there's not one experience is there it's it's kind of unique and um complicated yeah <laughs> thanks so much barry thank you Cheers, i'll let you barry. know when we release uh, and yeah i'll stay in touch Thanks so much. Cheers, buddy. Cool. All right. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, brother. Bye. Bye bye. This is the mouth. This is the mouth. This is the mouth. This is Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.